This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm going to choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Branding is the art of differentiation, or so says my guest, David Breyer. Shark Tank's Damon John says he's brilliant with branding. Grant Cardone says he's a branding genius who will revolutionize the way you do branding. Author of the book, Brand Intervention, the title says it all. He's not afraid to help companies realize they need a brand makeover and helps to make sure they stand out from the crowd. In an artist and designer at heart, David's been in the branding biz for over 40 years and shares his wisdom and insights in this episode. He has a passion for helping companies rise above the noise by giving them the guidance they need to stand out and be different. Here's just a sampling of what we cover. The importance of thinking big when it comes to branding. Why the only thing worse than weak coffee is weak branding. The role of storytelling. Why it's so important to own the revolution that you're bringing into the world. Why we should think about branding like a blind date. Why good karma is not enough. Why he has an allergic reaction to cliches. And we get to hear the story about some custom designed sneakers that were meant for Gary Vee and that got his attention. It was a true pleasure to meet with David and have this conversation. And so without further ado, let's jump right into it. David Breyer, thanks for being on Inside Out. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me. All right, let's get into it, man. Super excited to learn more about your journey. Let's start with food. You're a foodie. Yep. If you had one meal left, and this is your last meal, you, know, you could pick the spot and you could also pick what you're eating. What would it be? Wow. Okay, there's a restaurant that I have only seen online I have not been to. It overlooks the water. It's in Italy. It's built out of a freaking cave. It literally overlooks the water. It is the most breathtaking eating environment I've ever seen. And since it's Italian, I would go for probably sort of probably like a mushroom and shrimp risotto. And then, of course, I would have some amazing espresso, a really an amazingly done espresso, just a good, good drink with probably some creme liqueur type thing to complement it. And I would assume and take for granted that they're going to make me 
the best freaking tiramisu that I've ever had. Uh, I love it. That's my answer to your question. It's a great question. I actually have never even thought of what I just told you. I haven't been having that sort of bucket list item, but if that were my last one, that would be the place and where. There you go. Well, happy to help inspire that as a bucket list item. Yeah, Your book is so inspiring, man. There's so much wisdom. There's so many insights. And we're going to dive into all of that. But before we do, yeah. did you send Gary V the shoes that you designed after you were inspired by his shoes? <laughs> well, so the thing is, is that what, what happens, I, I designed them. And my whole thing, I designed them and I did the whole box. I did everything with regard to those. And I said, Hey man, I said, if you dig these, I said, and of course my whole lead up was the factor of like, here's brand invention with brand invention, coffee and chocolate and all kinds of crap. And the stuff was in there. And he, he tweeted me and he says, he goes, I want these, you know? I know and, I I said, and I said to him and I said, what size? And I was, <laughs> I was already, I was already to go and do it. And I mean, and that would have been like, a pretty penny, needless to say, to get those suckers made. Never knew, found out what his size was and stuff like that. So the thing is, uh, it simply remained a, an initiative. It got us, got me on his radar. That was our relationship. Was that pre your friendship with Claude or after? Totally pre. It was definitely, Claude and I was after probably about two and a half years to three years after that, that I even became aware of Claude. And it was just because of some article that Gary put together on Claude that I was so impressed with what I heard her say. There's lots of different types of individuals in any space and some go really wide, wide, but not deep. And others go very deep, but not very wide. And some just go wide and deep. And she was just, I love, 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 love her transparency, the depth with which she approaches stuff. It's not, it's not nice, pretty crap. It's not just done to be to impress people or to motivate people. She honestly believes what she's saying. And that genuine component left such an impression upon me. And that and I so I just reached out and simply validated her. I never I didn't have any other expectation. And she simply re replied back. Well, the two of you have a really nice chemistry. I saw a show that you guys did together and it's just a, a very, you know, you get the feeling that there's a natural chemistry. You, all, you get along, you have a just a way in which you go back and forth and it doesn't feel forced. And to me, that's that's really a sign of somebody that you're connected to on a really deep level and that you, you get each other. And I really, really love that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of getting each other, your parents, one was a doodler, your mom and your dad was a cartoonist. Yep. And so early on, you had a love for the arts, man. You were always drawing something. I know you went back to your house one day and said, mom, I was really talented, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I love that story. And it's no wonder that you're in the space that you're in from the factor of that you have the design chops, you have the understanding of how visuals can tell a story yeah. but just because someone's an artist doesn't mean they go the direction that they that you've gone into branding right you've said you know hey look I'm, I'm in my 40th year in this in this business so let's go back let's get in our time machine what was it what was the insight or the moment that led you down the branding path well okay to give context for those that are actually watching this so i'm just going to point you, do you see where my finger is pointing that's a painting of george harrison that's an oil painting I did that when I was about 15, 16 years old. Okay. So all, you know, more other art, a lot of the art you see around here, I mean, a whole, we have art throughout the office. I've always enjoyed 
the arts and art. So with all of that, it was in my last year, my last year of community college before I went to school of visual arts. And there was an art teacher named Mr. Brown. And he was a very big personality art teacher. And this is all pre-computers. So, I mean, just so people have a context, you know, that we're not going to school to like learn what program to use for blah, 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 blah. No, this is like, <laughs> there's like, there's like the pen, pencil, paints, drawing, paper, drawing, analog paper. art. You got it. And so my whole thing was I walked into class five minutes or six minutes, seven minutes early and sitting on one of the drawing tables was this magazine called the letters U, the letter U, and well, the ampersand, L-C, U and L-C. It's no longer in existence. But for the, your listeners, they can look it up, literally U and L-C for upper and lower case. That's what it stands for. And it was a newsprint publication that was done by one of the premier legends of design at the time. Definitely someone who impacted at least two generations of, of designers and art directors. What happened was, was I saw that and it stopped me in my tracks because there was a level of just the way Claude stopped me in my tracks with regard to whoa on the human side. This stopped me in my tracks with regard to holy crap. It's kind of like if you were lucky enough to grow up when the Beatles were first coming out with things. I remember when I first heard when Sgt. Pepper just came out. Right. And it was like, what the heck? Those moments that just rivet you. Mm. I think everybody has had one of those. Maybe for some people, it might be a movie. For some people, it might have been the first time they ever tasted the way a, a food could be cooked or something or or something. Mm. Everyone has a first of in some area. And that was I saw a level of craft with regard to design and shape and form and space. And it was just like, oh, my God. And it was at that moment that I saw, because prior to that, I'd only seen what I would consider trash stuff, the stuff you'd see on newsstands, and you'd see very, very stupidly done consumer magazines and such like that. Was not impressed. All of a sudden, I see, whoa, holy crap. Because at that point, up till then, I was going to be an artist. I was going to be an illustrator. I was going to do stuff and I was going to hand it off. Who was going to be my client? My client was going to be the art director who maybe worked for either a magazine or a corporation or this or that. And I'm handing off this piece. Well, I could have either done the, the piece or I could actually be responsible for what's the full outcome of, the, of everything. Are all the bits and pieces. And sometimes if, if, if you've heard me say this before, it, it just seems to be a workable analogy. It's the difference at that moment I had the choice. Did I want to simply be a musician in the orchestra or did I want to be the conductor to make sure that I actually had a symphony? Mm -hmm. That was the difference. The technical proficiency was probably comparable, but one ensured that the audience was going to have an amazing experience, a symphonic, incredible moment, or were they going to hear one musician who happened to perform perfectly, but yet the rest of the orchestra was not really up to stuff. So to me, that was at that moment when I saw that, that was the change for me, that I literally, I am going to now change and shift this. I'm going to take more ownership for ensuring that what I am creating is going to truly 
deliver on what it should be delivering on. Well, the leap has paid off, my friend, and you have conducted many symphonies. And one of the through lines in your book, in fact, not even one, I would say this is the biggest through line that I got from it, is that brand is the art of differentiation. It's the ability to set your brand apart from all the other noise, right? And rising above the noise, being your own brand, your business. Talk a little bit about why that is so, so, so vital. Well, it has to do with probably the first, all right, so I've been doing this for 40 years. Probably the first 15 years, I was perfecting and refining and honing my skills as a designer, but paying attention to what else. I always, I, I always have had an itch of what else, like mm. how much more can this be? Is there room for improvement? How high is north? I never was quite like, oh, I'm just really satisfied with where I'm at. I mean, I, I was enjoying the journey and the discovery, but how high is north? Mm -hmm. And that was just my leaning always. Once I started to see, oh, what was the difference? Why were there sometimes ugly things that sold a lot? that went straight into the face of my training of my, you know, <laughs> making stuff look good and color and design and shape and form and texture and this and that and the other. It totally went in the face of that. Oh, what a distressing moment that was. Wait a second. That thing's butt ugly. Are you kidding me? You know? And so I was like, why? What's the deal? And then I would, then I'd see the moments where like, you know, you'd see a brilliant ad by Apple or I'd see something amazing by Nike, or I'd see another brand and I'd go, wow, the same magic that goes into a, an incredible piece of art or a piece of music or a piece of cooking or whatever went into orchestrating that, how those words added layers and layers of meaning and, and story to a thing or a service or an idea. So I really loved that. And that always adding how much more can we go? So it was at that point I started to really start to hone in and hone in and then realize that, you know, there's a lot of people who are starting to do say that we do branding, we do branding, we do branding. And I dislike that because I also having come from the space of design, I started to find there were really stupid design decisions being made stuff that was very superficial stuff that was technically brilliant but emotionally bankrupt mm. it had no no depth to it and i didn't dig that i did, just didn't dig that i really wanted to make sure to always respect how deep something could be at a certain point everything turns into art everything starts turning into art from the standpoint of not art as in let's make it look pretty but art as in craft. It's like, and it, it almost comes down to this for me. Why can I give the same guitar to two different guitarists and one is going to slay it and you're going to go, that was the most amazing guitar solo I've ever heard. And the other one's going to be like, oh, please stop, right? Unplug this shit. <laughs> same thing with food. Why can I give the same ingredients to this person here and the same, and one is going to be like some amazing Gordon Ramsay level of creativity and the other is going to be ugh. or it's like, and that's why I, I, it's why I always was frustrated when I started to 
use computers. When I, there was a point at which I was doing a lot of illustration on computers, having the artistic skills. And people would say, so what programs do you use? And I would look at them with hatred. And that's and I remember at one point I it, I had this little spontaneous inspiration. Someone said, "So what computer? What programs do you use?" And I said, "What does it matter? The programs that I use are only as good as what I'm bringing to the table." And I looked at that person, and I had never thought this thought before, but it was just a perfect moment. And I said to this person, "I said, look, the microphone didn't make the Beatles sound good. The Beatles made the microphone sound good." Hmm. I love that. And so it was that moment that I was like, because I literally was like going, you're going to give credit to the software that I use? You think you can now go to that software and now do what I just did that is sh- displaying 20 years, 25 years or whatever of skill and practice. And you think you're just going to be able to show up. So that's when I turned to that person and I held up a pencil and I said, by the way, this is the first computer show me what you can do. And I gave them the pencil. Man, what a great story. And uh, I love everything that you stand for when it comes to not settling and having this uncompromising belief that you can go further. Another big thing that you believe in is the power and the importance of thinking big. You say innovation is the cost of doing business today. And it's, we have a choice as business owners. We could either settle or we can go above and beyond and do things that extraordinary businesses and people will do. One of the things that you also look at is the role in which a business has in the world. And you you say kind of there's this overlooked gremlin and that there's clarity that can get eaten away at the nucleus of what a business stands for. Talk about what you mean by that. I'm going to tell you a little anecdotal story, which actually Claude and I first met. We, we actually had known each other. It happens to be about Claude. It just it, it ties in perfectly to this. I said to Claude, we had, we had, we had met one morning, and we had, at this point, we'd known each other for about four months. And I said, hey, I'm coming to New York. She goes, oh, my God, we have to get together. I said, great. So we met one morning, and after about 15 minutes, she goes, oh, my God. I, this one hour is not going to be enough. She goes, she goes, and she said the cutest thing. She goes, I need more David time. She goes, can you come back tomorrow morning? I said, absolutely. I said, absolutely. I said, who can say no to this, this offer? I mean, come here, you know, this is priceless. Right. And the next day I had to deliver a keynote that night. And so I, the next day I said, you know, I said, it's very, very interesting. I said, my whole life, I said, I always had my eye on, because I played drums when I was in my teens. So I was like, was I going to be a drummer? Was I going to be an artist? And so, you know, I always had the idea of like wanting to achieve a certain level of fame as a teenager. That was sort of somehow key metric for me. Don't know exactly why, but it was. Okay, fine. Claude, I said, you know, I always kind of had this thing. And I said, but I'm at this point in my life where it's more about legacy. It's not actually about fame. And I said, you know the difference between the two? I said, fame is, it's about me. Legacy, it's about you. And I said, that's the difference. And she goes, oh my God, can I write that down? Because <laughs> she has this journal. She'll, she'll keep this little notepad. I said, of course. But it was, but that to me was always a key. That was the thing. And that was the difference. And it's, they're, they're almost like just two sides of the same coin. It's, it's a point of, it's simply a matter of direction. Where's the empowerment going? Is the empowerment where I'm doing things 
for the motivation of the recognition coming inward or am I doing things for the recognition going outward? And that's literally the only difference between fame and legacy. And to me, it's about legacy. It's vitally important. And the more I do it, the more I see it's the only way to live. It's the only way to expand. And I challenge everybody every day of the week, whomever I speak to, whether they're clients or they're students or they're entrepreneurs, I tell them, I say, here's the deal. I say, I want you to give more than you think is possible and just trust me. It's like a pitcher with water. Trust me, as soon as you're done pouring out every last drop, that pitcher is going to magically fill up with new ideas, new inspirations, and new stuff. So keep emptying your pitcher. Keep emptying your pitcher, and it will refill and refill and refill, and you will have more volume and more stuff to share and more stuff to give and expand more. And that, to me, is how it all synergistically works. I can't even exaggerate what I've just said. If your goal as an individual was only, you know what, I can walk three steps, and if that's all you had, three steps, you're going to be happy at those three steps. But until you've done those three steps, then gone, okay, what's next? Hmm, maybe another three steps. Oh, wow. Maybe next time is like, oh, wow, I've done that. What's next? Maybe now six, maybe 12, maybe 18. And until you've done that enough times, then what you go, okay, my next time I'm going to go on progressive area of growth, I'm not going to do it in three-step increments. Now I'm going to maybe do it in 24-step increments. Maybe I'm going to do it in, in increments of miles. Maybe I'm going to do it in, in increments of, of whatever, light years. I mean, how big is big and who determines what's big and what's not? It's you and me. Some people might listen to that and might say, oh, that's wonderfully, wonderful, fantastically philosophical and airy-fairy. You know what? That has more real, you talk to any true entrepreneur, any true leader, any true artist who's achieved anything, they will know that what I'm saying is 100% totally true, totally practical, and there's nothing airy-fairy about it. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Well, look, one of the things that I love most about everything that you share, it's not about me or the company. It's about the customer. It's how are we using our brand to transform them? How do we understand what they're passionate about? How do we understand how we can help them do what they need to do. I think this is the New Yorker in you. You you ask questions that are direct that maybe, as you point out, maybe will ruffle some feathers, but you, you have to ask some of these questions. One of the things that stood out in addition to all of that is that the often companies think that, okay, well, what's why us versus someone else, right? And you ask questions. What are you looking for when you ask those questions that oftentimes people give you surface level answers. What are those types of questions that you're asking to help identify what their identity is? Well, the, first of all, I want to see there's multiple layers to why I do what I do. So one is I'm going, okay, I want to check out what's their level of self-awareness. Are they very myopic? Which many companies are. 
It's like they're going to go, we make the best stuff. We make the best this. We make the best that. We offer next generation blah. We offer, you know, state of the art, blah, 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 blah. And they do all this cliche crap. So one is, is are they basically oblivious to the fact that they're, hello, there's a world out there. <laughs> if they're oblivious to that, that's a problem. Okay. And I'm going to be the first one to say, you're oblivious. You actually, you know what? And so, I mean, very, it's a very common conversation that I will have. I will say, so tell me why I should, as a customer, as a potential customer, why should I choose you? Mm-hmm. And they go, well, blah, 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 cliche number one, cliche number two, cliche number three, cliche number four, cliche number five. <laughs> okay, great. I'm going to say thank you. I let them finish what they say. I'm very respectful. I say thank you, thank you. See, now let me ask you something. Why do I know that if I went to all, any of your customers or any of your competitors, I'm sorry, any of your competitors, that they would tell me pretty much the same thing you just said? And they look and they go, hmm. It's either a very humbling moment or maybe a furrowed brow. And then I say, now, knowing that, tell me why I, as a potential customer, should be coming to you. Now they have to start looking, not just I haven't accepted the little superficial surface crap. Right. And that's where I basically, they go a little deeper. Or they go, I don't have a good answer for you. That's what, that's the problem. And I tell them that's the problem because you, because sometimes they'll come to me thinking they know what the problem is. Well, we're not enough. This, none of this, or people don't know about us. And I'm like, wait a second, people don't know about you. If you, that, if that's your metric, something that you cannot control, you, it's like, how many people know about you? How many people don't like about you? How many people like you? How many people engage? How many, da, 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 all these things. What's let's talk about the things you can control. Your story mm-hmm. sucks. Your brand looks like crap. It's vanilla. It's beige on beige. Please put me to sleep now. <laughs> so I'm just sort of there as the dose of reality so that they can go, holy crap, there actually is something we need to improve. If they don't realize there's something there to improve, it's still my idea. My, the whole reason for my question is this. Information that you and I find valuable only became valuable by you and I inspecting that questioning that, looking at that, saying, is there more to that? Is there less to that? Is that all there is? If we have not inspected it, it's still my idea. It's still out there coming in and that has no value. There has to be an aspect of, of ownership and accountability. So if I've asked, so if when I'm doing the things I'm doing, I'm doing them to get the other person to look and go, holy shit, that you're right. We do sound like everybody else. Now we can start having a conversation. Prior to then, we can't. Yeah, you, you talk about passionate impartiality. And the thing is, is that most business owners at all levels, they are too close to the business. They cannot look without, as you said, that myopic focus. They're right. Their nose is in the business. Therefore, they can't see. You've quoted some stats that 80% of companies believe that their consumer or customer experience is a positive one. In reality, it's under 10%. Some studies have shown. Yeah, they're going to say cliche. And just to be clear on those cliches, cliches are, oh, well, we're just, we're better. We have more bells and whistles. We have more features. We're cheaper. We provide this. We provide that. Great. Let's get your, you know, your chief of the cliche police, my brother. And I know that about you. You absolutely (laughs) loathe cliches. And I told, I'm with you. I mean, they're just like, every company's riddled with them. And so one by one, you're pulling these cliches out of these businesses and you're 
opening the eyes to business owners to why they are really putting beige on top of beige, as you've said, is the antidote to this notion of feature dumping on people. Is it story? Story is a tool, just like design is a tool, just like language is a tool. It's a tool. Now, if you have a lousy foundation and you don't have a well-differentiated distinction, you don't have a reason why and what, what are you disrupting? What's the th- what's the the norm that you are saying? Hey, you know what? Mm. We are the antidote antidote to this compromising norm. We're the antidote to that. Gone are those days. Here, ha- say hello to the future. If you don't have that as a foundation, I don't care what amount of story you put on top of it. You, this is going to be a story of cliches if it's crap, or a story of just boring. Blech. It all still comes down to if you haven't established why why do we matter. Why, uh, why is this relevant now? Because l- let's look at this reality that if we, to e- everything that we, you and I consider normal today was at one point an innovation. Mm-hmm. Let's, just sure. get, let's just get that straight, right? That's you know, true. like yeah. lighting, electricity, cars, computers, the, the microphones, you know, th- blah, 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 add on, 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 on. Right, right, right. So what's the new norm? And those who understand that and embrace, okay, innovation as a normal way of doing business will be the ones that usher in the future. They'll be the ones that continue, continue to be relevant. And there'll be the ones that actually can connect and pivot organically where it makes sense as opposed to chasing, ooh, the people are buying that. So we, we're going to now offer that. And, you know, just think... Think if you had a think if you went to your a restaurant that you loved and all they did was just they look at what's popular, what's trending today. Mm-hmm. They're gonna now change their menu. And what's trending tomorrow? They're gonna change their menu. What's trending the next day? They're gonna change their menu. You'd go, what the freaking hell is this crap? They're not leading, they're following. And so they don't stand for anything. If you don't stand for anything, how are you gonna have a firm position? How are you going to be able to be respected and really be honest and have be genuine? So anyway, that's a, it's a, a lot of facets there. But story is absolutely vital. It adds the human component if you're a good storyteller. But the bottom line is, is let's look at, I mean, Steve Jobs was one of the great storytellers, one of the all-time greatest pre- presenters there was, right? He took us on those wonderful little journeys, you know, used the perfect little me- metaphors and analogies that were just great and they stuck with us. And let's look at the same way, but it was authentic. There was a soul there. And I remember when I went to the Mall of America, it has more attendance than Disney World. People come from out of the, I don't know if everybody knows this, but people literally fly from other parts of the world, Europe and Asia, and they'll spend like four days. They'll come and they'll land in Minneapolis and they'll go for four days because that's how much time you need to actually go through the entire mall. But the thing is, is, I remember going to the Apple store there. And I remember, this is some years ago, when Microsoft opened up their stores. Did after they had basically the four squares, you know, the very minimalist brand that they now carry. But their store was a complete and utter ripoff of the Apple store. Jay tried to make it as clean and minimal. And I remember it was almost an embarrassment to watch the people, the, the employees standing in their store because you knew all they were doing were copying the motions. There was no, there was no, now that was their story, okay? That was their story. 
How would they tell their story? Well, there's no depth to the story. There's no foundation to the story. It wasn't real. And I remember watching with just, I cringed when I saw this. I remember they would, they, they, I went to the Mall of America figuring, okay, I'm going to get there early. I didn't want to wait in line for the Genius Bar. So I went early because I had a, I was looking at a particular product, this, that, the other. I saw Microsoft opening up their things and they're all standing there doing this. Like they're all clapping. All to just attract attention and eyeballs. <laughs> I'm going, so you, you're not real for anything. You're trying to just simply copy Apple. Now you don't have anything to say. So what are you replacing with an actual story? Clapping like a bunch of moronic idiots. So that's where I say, you know, it's like a story is great and it's an incredibly powerful tool, but you got to have the foundation. Right. There's got to be some substance or weight behind it. And I, I really like that story. I also think, you know, when we look at companies like an Uber and Airbnb, these are companies that looked at a, a gap, right? A antiquated model, right? There's, you, you talk about this in your book where you go old dispatch of cabs. Like why take that? You have this in the palm of your hand. You have this mobile device that can do that. Therefore, Uber is the disruptor in the space, right? And Airbnb, same thing, but the only difference is now we're not booking hotels in the same way. Now we're doing it in an entirely different way. You know, I worked at Tesla and I, one of the things I appreciate most about working there is this idea of boiling things down to their fundamental truths. First principles thinking is what Elon calls it. And I, he's obviously comes from an engineering mindset and he's thinking, okay, what is possible you know, knowing that the only thing, our only limiting factors are the laws of physics, right? Like what is possible just because a car exists today doesn't mean we have to make a car just like that. We could start from a totally different place. You got it. And when we're thinking of crafting the story, it's really, really important that the story paints a picture. It doesn't mean that everything needs to already be figured out because one of the things you talk about is know where you're going and reverse engineer from there. And if you're able to tell the story in a way where the audience truly buys in and believes in what you're saying, they will buy a ticket to that show to get on that train. And one of the things you talk about is be bold. You're a coffee drinker, right? I just finished my cup of coffee in my, <laughs> in my, in my, in my, oh, yeah. tes in my oh, Tesla yeah. mug here. Yep. Like you, you say, the only thing worse than weak coffee is weak branding. Why? Well, the thing is, is that is that too few brands actually have conviction. Mm. And I love when clients will, you know, they'll go, well, you know, they'll, they'll show me some mission statement or something like that. And they'll go, we were invented to help companies overcome the tendency to do blah, 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 blah. And through our blah, 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 what is all that dribbly crap? we help may sort of can be inspire want to be blah, blah blah say no we build companies knock out all the freaking superfluous crap we build companies we change lives we drive innovation give me something declarative mm. give me something unapologetic there's nothing more pathetic than a brand position that is somewhat apologetic or trying to be, especially in this age of political correctness, which is a crock of, boy, if you want to get me pissed off, you want to get me pissed That is the biggest load of just shit that exists today. It's disgusting. It's like, mm. you can't say this, you can't say that. It's like bullshit. I know where I came from. I know where, I know the neighborhood that I grew up in. I had friends... Uh, 
of every of every nationality and race and creed and this that the other and we grew up together not at each other's throats we grew up together and we didn't use our differences as points of animosity we used them as points of oh okay wow you ran into that no shit man well shit da, 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 da. because when you're a new yorker you are a survivor right you have the backbone and this thick enough skin to basically survive and we're in this together man it's like so you know it's that's why damon john and i we got we got on as we got on you know i mean he was born in brooklyn and queens like me i mean he 10 years after me but hey look yeah. that's fine so but it's just like there's that element of like you know what we're in this together i'm here to back you up you're here me to back me up we're not going to stab each other in the back and we're not going to we're not going to also be apologetic such as like tippy toe tippy toe if you're in an environment you got a tippy toe, you're in the wrong freaking environment. Should not be a freaking landmine where it's like, oops, there we go. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, nice to have known you. Bye. <laughs> you know, it's, so it's just that that's the thing of it. It's like apolo mm -hmm. being apologetic, being half-ass, being tentative. That's that's bogus. And that's the and that's the thing that I learned over the course of the years. It was just something that I started to just really learn that. And it's always things can be perfected, perfected, perfected. And that was where I came to realizing, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, like I say in my book, like I hate committees. I don't mm -hmm. say, you know, committees aren't really for me. They may be really good for others. But what I have found in my experience is like some committees might blah, 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 blah. What the hell kind of communication is that? Who is that useful to? No one being half-ass is... It serves nobody. And at worst, it lets your dreams die. And to me, every day, your dreams are at stake. Mm -hmm. And show them some respect by being all in, not being half in. Well, when you're in a committee, it's you're, you're almost guaranteed to play it safe, which is the polar opposite of what you're advocating for and what you believe in. And frankly, what I believe to be true, by yeah. the way, likes attract likes. So it's no wonder that when Damon John read your piece, he's like, I like this, this is the best thing I've read on Shark Tank. It's no wonder that Claude Silver and you connected and have hit it off so well. Yeah. That is not an accident. Yeah. And so What's also not an accident is thinking about businesses or even nonprofits. They, a lot of times, you know, we're in this, you're talking, you're talking about politically correct and all these things. Sometimes businesses think that good karma will be enough. And you say, no, it's not enough. Why not? Well, because how many of us have seen great concepts die? How many of us have seen a great book or a great script never make it through the Hollywood machine. Mm -hmm. How many of us have seen the incredible chef who starves because he couldn't brand his way out of a wet paper bag, right? Mm -hmm. We've all seen it. Yeah, 100%. We've seen the great artist, the great writer, the great chef, the great designer, the great art director. And then at the same time, let's flip it. We've seen absolute jerks, morons, and idiots who are disgusting in terms of, and when I say disgusting, I mean they're disrespectful to others. They don't value others. They don't appreciate others. And the only thing that's important is them and their own checkbook and how many zeros they've got in it. That to me is a disgusting individual because if, if you're not flip, if you're not giving back, you are disgusting because you think it's only about you 
And somehow you, people are letting you get away with that. And that is what I consider disgusting. It has nothing to do with anything else other than a selfish existence is one that I don't believe in rewarding a self-existence. So I like to see those who have the capability, not everyone's going to rise to that occasion, not every great, talented, whatever, fill in the blank, is going to have the right level of ownership for them to go, wow, this is what it's going to take. This is the amount of me that I need to put into this to make the dent necessary to have the impact on life and existence and be a good example and have the right influence. You know, not everybody's up to that challenge. Okay. So, well, that's a choice that they've made. That's a, the bed that they've made. So I'm not going to feel sorry for people and I'm not going to make excuses for people. So I look at the various bits and pieces. Mm. I, I like to see good people win. I like to see good talent get the recognition that it deserves. But if they're undermining themselves, they're undermining themselves. I recognize mm -hmm. that. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ignore the accountability portion of the equation. You know, it's like, I mean, I've got, I've achieved what I've achieved in life because I was accountable enough, right? There are times when I could have been more accountable. I could be farther along in life than where I am today. Then there are other places where, I mean, it can go either way, but I just understand accountability is where it all is really going to come into play for every one of us. And I hope that people take that and use that for their own, for their own advancing in life and thereby helping advance others in life. Well, good karma alone is not going to get it done. There's a lot more to it. Just like there's a lot more to the mistakes that you can make. There's mistakes with naming. There's mistakes with doing what we've already talked about. What haven't, what have we missed? I don't like to leave any juice in the orange, like from a branding mistake. What are some of the, when you're looking at a new company and you're saying, okay, I'm going to look at this with fresh eyes, right? I'm not, the, I'm not the myopic business owner. And I know you like working, you've worked with all different size businesses, but I think your preference is the smaller businesses that are more open to change. What are you looking for? And what are the most common mistakes you're seeing? The most common mistakes I'm seeing is that people think that they build their brands and products around something transient rather than something timeless. And what I mean by that is something timeless is values. Human values are something timeless. How we fulfill those human values is that th those are those are the transient things. Like for example, why is it that Blockbuster died and and Netflix rose like the phoenix, right? Because the thing is is that Blockbuster was attached to something transient. We're a brick and mortar destination for people to get their VHSs. Oh, or, oh, they've changed the DVDs. Okay, so the brick and mortar, they changed, they can come to get their DVDs and get their popcorn and get their Twizzlers and get their malt balls. Well, that's something transient. Whereas Netflix, they actually connected to something timeless, which is like, you know what? We're here to provide entertainment. So if that means that providing entertainment was in the form of a DVD by mail, then that was providing entertainment. Oh, well, if that shifted now to streaming, oh, well, okay. They were still connected to something timeless, which is providing entertainment. It wasn't how we provided entertainment. It was providing entertainment. So now all of a sudden streaming was fine. But wait a second, they didn't stop there. They was like, wait a second, we can actually create original entertainment and add to the quality of this thing. So the how is the is the transient how it's done it's you know another example is like i'm a big 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 music buff 
I loved CD Baby early on when CD, mm, you know, CD mm-hmm. Baby was for the, the independent musician or band. It gave them a marketplace. It was called CD Baby. All of a sudden, well, that became, well, that's connecting to something transient, which is the how it gets. If it was more about music, like just do it. What is, just do it. That's connected to the thing that's timeless, which is doing something. Mm-hmm. It's not saying sneakermatic. <laughs> sneakermatic. Okay. We're going to, you know, so it's like the how is the, is the thing that's going to shift. Mm. Right. That's, pow- that's powerful. No, no. Yeah. I mean, think different, right? It's not, they're not, they're not saying iPod uh, mania, right? Because now iPods aren't even a thing, right? So, well, well, and, even, and even take that, that point even just one step further when Apple, you know, was like, it went from Apple to computer to dropping computer to just being Apple. Sure. Right. Because it's well beyond computer at this point. You know, it's everything from mobile devices to this, that, the other, the, the shifting technologies, whether it's going to be AR or AI or this, that. But, but it's now it's about something bigger than itself. And if you can connect to those values, and to me, I use the word values as being synonymous with aspirations, right? The standards of what's acceptable, what's desirable, what, what just gets me just revved up. Then you have a brand that can be built, right? It's like, you don't see Tesla as Tesla vehicle. No, it's Tesla, right? It stands you or Dyson. Dyson started out as the vacuum cleaner company. That was their first foray. But the thing is, it wasn't Dyson vacuum cleaner. It was Dyson. And so now they're like this incredible innovation company. And they are these crazy like engineers from Mars that come up with all this kind of weird shit, right? You know, they're just like, they're just, but it, they stand for something, right? It's not how. It's like so they can morph into, you know, the hand dryers. They can morph into air you know, current things that could just morph because there's room to pivot because it's built on something that is timeless. That's the thing. If you're looking at, if you're, if you're hitching your, hitching your wagon to the star of how something is done, that's a big misstep. If you're hitching your, your wagon to the star of an aspiration and we don't care how we get there, we don't care how it's achieved, that's where you get something magical. That's where the brand magic really can happen. Mm, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is thinking big. The last question I have for you is this idea of this 66% rule, which so many companies are transactional in nature. They yeah. focus on the first two thirds and they forget about the most important part, which is after the transaction, after the sale. And we'll talk a little bit about why that's so important to wrap up. Well, the basic thing is, is that you know, the whole idea is, well, we're advertising to get a customer and then a customer comes in, a customer or a client, whatever. Da, 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 da. Oh, okay. And they've signed this contract or they bought this product and da, 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 and that's it. It's kind of like almost like out of sight, out of mind. That is not the finish line. The biggest, the greatest brands, the greatest leaders, the greatest artists understood they always had the finish line someplace else where the rest were normal. The normal folk didn't look, mm-hmm. right? They thought, well, the finish line is right there. Person walked in empty-handed. They gave us some money. They walked out with something in their hand and they gave us money and that's that. And that's the finish line. Oh, hell no, it isn't. That's the starting line. That's the starting line, man. And so, so that's the biggest difference between the great 
and the ordinary or the great and the wannabe is that the greatest in my mind has no finish line. That's right. It's only, it's only another starting line, another starting line, another starting line, another starting line. But I broke it into a way that was very, very easy to understand. It wasn't overly philosophical. And it was really like, here's the deal. Yeah, you have pre-sales branding, you have during sales branding, but that last third post-sales branding after the sale, what more can you do? And that could be anything from the amazing materials and design of Apple's boxes that when you get your new iPhone and you just take it out, how everything fits so perfectly. Yeah, and the yeah. material, and it's not like, oh, now we'll just use some crap, you know, because they've, they've right, right, right. and the greatest brands, the greatest automobile brands have the same experience. The greatest sports brands have the same experience. The greatest restaurants have the same experience. I challenge anyone listening to this right now or watching this or listening to this. What is you look at the great, the brands that you think are great or the artists that you think are great or the writers that you think are great. Do they stop or everyone else stops? Or do they go that extra distance and give you more? When you think it's over, they give you more and more and more. And you're like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. And at that point, who are you going to remember? The one that stopped where everyone else is stopping or the one that kept on going and that gave you something that you didn't expect to have, that you didn't see coming, that you were like, wow. I'm so glad it wasn't over. Well, that's what it is. It's the yeah. wow factor. It's that it's thing wow that factor. happens at the end that is so memorable. You'll appreciate this as an artist. I One of my guests worked closely with Michael Eisner, mm. and he says that a, the best brands are like a pointillist painting. It's all those little details add up to make the big picture. Yeah. And obviously, we know Disney is amongst the, the most prolific and powerful brands of all time because of the details, because of the nuance, because you know that you've now become accustomed, you're going to get above and beyond to the 10th degree, uh, to the infinity degree, if that's a thing. And all those details are thought of. But imagine the first time that that happens, what that's like for somebody that is just experiencing a brand for the first time. It's just like, that's like, mwah. it's like going to a restaurant, carved into a mountain, carved into a, a near a ocean, and it's on the side facing. It's a, You have some beautiful Italian food, the best coffee you can ever have. I mean, those are the details that stand out. Those are the things that we remember. And those are the things we tell our friends about. Speaking of telling friends, Brand Intervention is not just a book. It's a movement. And don't make the mistake I made. Buy the hard back a brand intervention. I bought the Kindle version, which I'm sure that, that David's eyes rolled to the back of his head when he saw that. I now know my mistake, but so much care and thought was put into the book. It is not your typical book. I will say that you've never read a book like this. It packs a punch, got so many valuable insights and nuggets. We only explored a small fraction of them during this conversation. I hope to have future conversations. It's been an absolute pleasure. You can go to David's website at risingabovethenoise.com. You can find his book at brandinterventionbook.com. He's also very prolific on LinkedIn. He is absolutely one of the more famous LinkedIn personalities on the platform. And it's just David Breyer is his, is his name there. B-R-I-E-R. -E He's yep. also got an amazing YouTube channel, Head Music with the K. 
I don't know if yeah. that's how you pronounce it, but, yeah, but uh, that's right. <laughs> and uh, what am I missing, man? Where else, where else can people find you? And what else would you like to share? Well, it was something that completely caught me by surprise. So once Brandon's Dimension came out, people were saying, David, you got to do some, you got to like offer, you know, do like an online course, do an online course, an online course. And like nothing was quite resonating with me. And then I was approached by company and it was the right offer. It was the right, they said, we're going to do all of this. All you need to do is basically show up and be like, you know, give mm. share your wisdom. Da, 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 da. And so that became the beginning of the brand intervention masterclass, which as I said, we're just literally completing. It has been the most therapeutic and unbelievable. I put my heart and my soul into it. Like I did with the book. But the thing that's amazing, I'm literally seeing people's lives change before my eyes. Mm -hmm. I knew it would have an impact. I knew it would not, I knew it would change them forever. But I mean, just to give you a, an example, I mean, one of the students who's been in business for just a few months ended up being quoted in Forbes. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. After starting it. Another one who's a real down to earth, real down to earth Midwest folk dude, he ended up closing a $212,000 deal after learning the difference between price and value. He closed it. And then, and then at week four, he tells us because every Saturday morning we have a zoom call, like, and that's where people like go, go ballistic because it's like, it's real time right there. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not, they, they get all the content, but that's where it's like, you know, they get punched in the face if they need to, or get consoled or like, no, 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 here's the, no, you're, you're making, you made, you took a hard left. I said, take a soft left. Anyway, but the thing is, is the guy closed. He got a signed agreement for a seven million dollar deal in week four. And he attributed to the course, wow. right? So it's like, this is the kind of stuff that's happening. This is changing. I, these people's lives will never be the same. I knew what I could do, but I didn't realize the amount of impact it could have. And so that's the thing that's unbelievably exciting to me. It's a whole new thing that I am so excited about because it's not like anything I've been, because I've done a handful of those courses by some of the big names. I always was left empty hand. No, I wasn't left empty handed. I was left with what I call educational souvenirs. Well, the usual crap, the swipe files and the templates and the this and the that. And the other. But I was as clueless at the end as I was in the beginning. And that pissed me off. I like knowing so that I can navigate. If I don't know, I can't navigate, right? So I had no bearings. And so my whole thing was the opposite. I want you to be more independent, less dependent on me, more independent for yourself. And I know you don't need more of David. You need more of you. And my job is to give you back you. And that's what became kind of like the mantra of the Brand Adventure Masterclass. So that's the thing that's been like incredibly and ridiculously exciting. The, that's the only other thing that I had to share. Congrats, man. That's that's huge. And I know you put your heart and soul into it. I know you put your heart and soul into the book. I know you went through multiple rewrites and I'm sure you'll continue to iterate and continue to pour into making sure this masterclass is better each and every single time that you put it on. Yep. And you are seeing firsthand What's, what's cool is that you get to see firsthand how it's working, how it's resonating, how it's being implemented. I'm a huge fan of yours, man. And I'm just so grateful that you took the time. I'll leave us with this quote from your favorite chapter coming from a customer's point of view. A good brand makes us feel good about what they stand for. A great brand makes us feel good for what we stand for. David Breyer, 
Thank you for being on Inside Out. Absolutely, man. Loved the interview. Loved the questions. Thank you. You took me down some paths that I hadn't actually looked at it in a while, so I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.